where are we breakfasting today? I'm not sure, actually. Wait, what about that one? I think that's a Mediterranean restaurant. We should still check it out. Maybe they have breakfast items. Sure, that works. But also, we need to make sure that they're fine with us recording our episode there. Yeah, I know, for sure. Now, come on, let's go. I'm super hungry. Okay, so now that we can actually eat and record here, let's go get a table. Welcome back, breakfasters. This is your host, Serby. And Michaela. Back at it again. Today's Breakfast Bar episode is dedicated to discussing all things college planning, from the application process to helping you find your perfect fit. We've got you covered. We also have a very special guest with us today who will be providing some really good and informative advice. So make sure to stick around till the end. So what are we waiting for? Let's dig in. Now, before we get into the advice part, we're going to just talk a little bit about our current plans for college. Serbi, why don't you start us off? Well, I'm applying to three in-state universities because my mom kind of just wants me to stay in-state for my four years. And then after that, like for higher studies for my post for graduate or postgrad, I don't know what that's called. But basically after that, she's like, oh, you know, you can go out of state. I Mm -hmm. trust you then. So I'm applying to UT, which is UT Austin, UNT, which is University of North Texas, and UTA, which is University of Texas at Arlington. So two of these schools are safety schools for me, and one of them is a target school. And according to College Board, you're supposed to have three REACH schools, two MAT schools, and one safety school. Well, some of y'all must be wondering, how do you know which one is which? Well, it all depends on your SAT scores and your GPA. Based off of that, you can actually just go onto your College Board profile. And then I think there's like this thing called Big Future under College Board where you can add colleges to your list. And then once you add them to your list, it will immediately tell you whether it is a safety school, a read school, or a target school. A read school is something that you can get into, but your chances are pretty less. A math school is something that is perfect. It is a target school. So that is the school that you will, that, that's like your perfect fit school. And there's like a 50-50% chance of you getting in. And a safety school is basically a school that is, you know, just below your grades and everything. So you are very, very likely to get into that school. But again, there's no guarantee. Um, I know that I want to major in journalism and minor in film, but upon doing research, I'm planning on being a film major and minoring in creative writing. I want to be either a screenwriter or a director and maybe an author on the side, which would mean I would need to take a few creative writing courses as well, which is why I'm planning on doing the creative writing minor. But either way, I've made this decision because I realized how much I truly love films to the point that it is something that I would like to study seriously and just dedicate my life towards film and television. I also plan on doing a semester abroad during undergrad, maybe more. I plan on going outside Texas after undergrad, such as NYU, USC, or Columbia U, all of which have really good film and journalism programs. I'm trying to get as many scholarships as I can 
as both me and my parents think that would work best for me and the family. Now, enough about me. Michaela, what about you? I am looking currently towards environmental sciences. Um, And so for college, I'm really thinking of getting my associates or my kind of my smaller credits through the Hazelwood Act that my dad got from being a veteran. It's basically free hours of tuition. So I basically have uh, maybe like a year and a half paid for in tuition already from my dad being a veteran. I never really knew that I was going to get these hours because my sister, um, we planned on her going to college, but she's actually going to a trade school, which doesn't take Hazelwood Act credits. So I'm going to use those hours for free tuition as long as I'm in state. So I have to stay in Texas. So right now I'm looking at maybe UTD, which is University of Texas at Dallas. And after I use all those, the Hazelwood Act hours, I'm planning on transferring to maybe a bordering northern state. Right now I'm looking at University of Arkansas. The reason that I want a bordering state is because a lot of the bordering states by Texas gives me in-state tuition, uh, especially the public schools. And I just want to take advantage of that while also kind of going further away from home. My parents have always kind of wanted to put me in a point where I can be ready to take care of myself financially. So they want to pay for all my tuition and make sure that I get my bachelor's um, with them paying for it. But I want to do my best to make it cheaper for them. So I'm looking at scholarships and I know that I'm going to pay them back um, in the future. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. I really like all your ideas. They're all well thought out. And um, I think the Hazelwood Act too is really, really cool because I wish I could get free credits mm-hmm. too. Like that would be so helpful for everyone, not just me, yeah. for like my family. They wouldn't have to pay you as You have much. to thank my dad for that. He worked his booty off <laughs> in the Air Force. Thank you, Michaela's dad. Thank you for your service and also for providing Michaela with the <laughs> Hazelwood Act. Yo. Now, the next part of this episode is going to be a little question and answer session on college concerns. We collected questions from other high school students in preparation for this and found out what they wanted to learn more about in terms of college application and planning in general. We asked the lovely Dr. Luque to help give us an in-depth answer to some of the questions. Let's get started. Dr. Luque, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself for the listeners? Sure. I am Dr. Laura Luque. Uh, I was born and raised in Mexico, and I have been a college professor for over 10 years. And some of the courses I teach include the Introduction to Biology for the Freshman uh, Pre-Health Students. And I also teach a summer course that helps students transition from high school into college. So the first question that we have for us today is, what are you guys doing to help pay for college? Well, I guess this question is kind of focused more towards me and you, Servi. So I kind of explained a little bit already how I'm going to help pay for college, but I basically plan on paying my parents back. So I'm keeping updated on a lot of mini scholarships and I'm filling out surveys that they come with. A lot of the questions kind of pertain to like, what would you do if you were a millionaire? Or um, 
if I had a superpower, how would I use it? Things like that. And those kind of give you many scholarships if you are chosen of like a thousand dollars or 500. It really depends. Just it, there's so many of them that you can just jump through maybe like 20 of them a day. But something else that I'm doing to kind of keep track is this website called raiseme.com where you can put in your transcript, mm-hmm. you put in all your extracurriculars, all your volunteer hours, and certain colleges who work with RaiseMe will say, okay, if this student got an A plus in A push, we'll give them $1,000 or 500. And I've kind of built up enough micro scholarships for a few colleges. I know at Houston Baptist University, I have built up $37,000 for tuition. And in other colleges, I have maybe like $20,000 in micro scholarships accumulated. It's just really good to see. But I do keep in mind that none of these scholarships are assured. And so when you're applying to these colleges, um, sometimes things will get lost in translation and you won't actually get that maximum scholarship. But I do believe that they are going to kind of work with you and see oh you you did this stuff well I already made that statement that I'm going to give you this much money so here you go so it is not an assured scholarship but it's really good to see that okay this college really honors this type of dedication to this work so if that makes any Mm -hmm. sense I just checked and they even added a micro scholarship for helping with COVID-19 relief so they're updating it pretty often and they're staying pretty updated on current events so I know that something is working you know so yeah just keep that in mind and it's really good to see because it also tells you target schools and reach schools so that's another way to keep track of that stuff Mm -hmm. I too like Michaela use raise me but it's more so to keep all my information organized in one place rather than for scholarships they even have the option to print out a resume based off of your profile and I mean, that's that's kind of cool, honestly. Like I tried it out and I did like a preview of it and it looked so professional. It looked so cool. It had everything organized and it was really easy to read. So that was something that I was really impressed with. I mean, I, mean, I did create my account with the intention to accumulate micro scholarships. Unfortunately, the colleges that I want to apply to either do not offer scholarships through Raise Me or they do, but I'm not eligible for them. However, I did get a few emails from some of the colleges that I followed on Raise Me, and some of these are even colleges that I'm really interested in applying. And they sent me information about applying and how campus life works and all that kind of stuff. So I would totally recommend creating an account on here because even if you don't get the scholarships, it'll show them that you're interested in their college. With that being said, this is not an ad for the website, but... If someone from Raise Me does stumble upon this and wants to, you know, open up their purse or sponsor us or whatnot, I wouldn't be against it. And I don't think Michaela would either. We are at Breakfast Bar on Anchor. What is the difference between the SAT and the ACT and when should we start studying for them? So the real difference uh, is in their material that they cover. So let me just explain that both the SAT and the uh, ACT 
are two different kinds of tests that that colleges will will require for admittance. So many schools will accept one or the other, and some schools may accept only one kind. So for the most part, doing one or the other will still get you to the school of your choice. Uh, the main differences is that the SAT is going to include a science section that is not present in the SAT. So the SAT is going to be more dedicated to critical thinking um, and, uh, and less on a specific subject matter. And the SAT is going to be looking for more analytical skills as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's a little bit of math differences, and uh, I believe ACT yeah. does not allow you to use calculators, and SAT, depending on the section, you may or may not be use, uh, able to use a calculator. Technically speaking, you have been studying for the SAT and, a, and the uh, ACT because they are based on uh, course materials that you are that you have been having throughout your high school career. So technically speaking, you have been studying all this time. But when you should focus to to remember and recall some of the information that you have been studying in the past three years, uh, usually it is recommended that students start to study in their junior year to take a practice test for the SAT in their junior year. And then depending on those results, then focus your, your studies on the areas that you might have, um, you might need to improve, and then take it again in the fall of your senior year. How are scholarships affected by COVID-19? So this varies from college to college. So some universities have set aside actually additional funds to help students and their families uh, that have experienced unusual hardship due to the coronaviruses. So these, uh, these schools have taken extra steps to highlight these funds and to make them very visible for the students. So you should be uh, looking for this information uh, in the, to the schools, within the schools that you're applying for. I'm concerned about being on my own. Do you have any tips on living alone while being in college? Yes, this is a very understandable feeling. Um, going to college might mean that you leave some of your friends and family behind uh, for the first time, you might be responsible of waking up yourself, doing your laundry, um, developing a discipline to study and managing your time. So there are some things that you can actually be doing right now to help you transition into this life alone. So uh, right now, before you start uh, college, you might want to start picking up some responsibilities for yourself. So you might be picking up and doing your laundry, for example, learn how to do laundry, um, Maybe you can make a meal for your family and understand the process. Um, maybe you want to open a bank account so you can feel more empowered in terms of your um, money management. Um, you know, maybe you do your homework before you're told. So learning how to develop these disciplines and these responsibilities might start helping you living alone. And then uh, while you're in college, there's many things you can do. So uh, to help you in the transition from going in a fam family house to living alone, uh, stay engaged with others. You know, it's very easy to withdraw and, and, uh, and, and stay by yourself, but the best thing you can do is to engage with others. Uh, join groups that might be of interest to you. Um, find a faculty mentor. Uh, visit them during office hours. Make connections with others. Uh, if you feel lonely and overwhelmed, there's many ways to reach out to either friends or family, or family of course, but also to your professors. And many schools have counseling centers uh, in the event that the feelings become too strong for you to handle. What are some things that you keep in mind while writing my essays? That's a very important question. And I think the first thing I'm going to say is to allow yourself time to write the essay. 
This is not something that you can do the night before it's due. Uh, we recommend students to take anywhere from one to three months to think about their essay and write about their essays. Uh, and this is because we want you to take the time to think about what you want to say, but also to allow for time to proofread your essay. So check your grammar, your spelling. Uh, also for, to allow time to have others uh, read and look at your essay and give you feedback. So this will take time depending on the availability, especially of others to give you feedback. So because of this, you do want to start early. You do want to allow yourself time to do this. And also when you write, uh, be honest, say things that are true and uh, avoid cliches. Also avoid trying to come off as negative or judgmental. So try to keep a positive spin on your essay. What I'm concerned about is actually being accepted and being able to pay for college at all. It's one of the main reasons why I take rigorous courses that, even if I cannot understand them at all, I do it all for cheaper college. Do you suggest others do this as well? Well, uh, it depends on each family. So each family have different financial needs. Um, and although, of course, um, trying to achieve a scholarship is important, um, there are other forms of financial aid. There are federal funds that can help you. There are private funds as well. I think the most important thing is, yes, paying for college, it should be a concern. But I think um, it's also important that you understand the material that you are studying because there will be an expectation of knowledge once you start in college. So if you're taking courses that you don't fully understand, you will have consequences because of that when you start college and you might lose your scholarship because you don't do well in college. So the first thing is to actually understand the material, know what you're doing, and then find a financial assistance that meets your needs and the needs of your family. Do I need to know what I want to major in before applying to college? Uh, no, not at all. So it is not, so some students uh, might find um, that they know they have a very clear idea of what they want to do uh, once they start college. And this is perfectly fine. But we find that many others are still figuring out what they want and what they like. So if you find yourself in this second category, it is okay. Uh, actually, uh, universities will not hold that against you. You don't have to have a declared major to be uh, accepted to a, to a, a university. Uh, you can use the first year of college to figure out what you want and what you don't uh, like. And usually by the sophomore year, many students have found their passion. It is also not uncommon for a student to come in and say, I wanna be this major. And after the first year, they recognize that this is not what they want and they change their majors. So it's perfectly okay to not know and also to change your mind. How do I submit portfolios? And will my transcript ruin my chances? Right. So many schools will have uh, an application process online. So they'll have what they're known as portals, uh, which are online areas that are protected by a login and that would allow the students to submit all their documents. So students need to keep in mind that uh, some documents are within the student's responsibility. So some, some documents that will depend on the students to be uploaded into this portal. But letters of recommendation and transcripts are usually sent by faculty or counselors uh, using the same portal. So it will be the student's responsibility to make sure that all of these documents that are outside of their control are uploaded on time into that portal. Now, in terms of the transcript, um, really universities are looking at a holistic view for, of your application. 
they don't particularly focus on one thing only. So they're looking at your grades, they're looking at your extra, extracurricular activities, uh, they read the letters of recommendation and, and look at what is said about you in those letters. Uh, and they also look at the entrance scores. So they're really trying to get a big picture uh, and try to evaluate the entire person and not just evaluate the person from a single data point. So the last question that we have for today is, everyone tells me that college is going to be different from high school, but how different will they really be? Right, so, so, it, is, uh, so it, it will be different, but it's difficult to put in words how the different experiences are going to be different. So like I mentioned earlier, there's gonna be many changes that will take place once you start high school. I mean, once you start college. So you're gonna be living alone. Uh, this might be the first time um, that you share a room with somebody else or a bathroom with someone else. Mm -hmm. For some students, this might be um, a time where they move to a different city from their family and friends. Um, so many of the changes have nothing to do with academics and have more to do with your social life and to adapting to really what it is a new, a new life. So that's a big, big component of the, of the change. Um, that's not to say that there are not some academic changes as well. So college is preparing you to become a professional in a particular field. Mm -hmm. And after you complete college, uh, people will have expectations of knowledge. So for example, if you are majoring as an engineer, well, when you graduate, there will be an expectation that you can build things or that you can put together uh, elect electrical, um, you know, circuits for somebody. So there's an expectation of knowledge. So this, because of that, then how you study and the depth of knowledge is very different from high school uh, to college. So maybe in high school, you could get away with studying the night before and still do well on the exam. But for college, you might still be able to pull that off. But then going back to your engineering, to the engineering example, you need to retain that knowledge. So the material that was covered in freshman year needs to be uh, retained so that you can build up for the sophomore year, for the junior year, and then finally when you graduate. So it is retaining knowledge that in my experience is the uh, biggest challenge for students, is transitioning from studying for the exam and actually studying to learn the material. That is the biggest challenge for students. No, thank you for having me. I really enjoy um, talking to you today and I'm so excited that uh, you are concerned about this right now and that you are being proactive to do something about it. Unfortunately, this brings us to the end of today's episode of Breakfast Bar, where we talked all about college applications and planning. We hope that today's episode has helped you guys some way or another, and we would also like to thank those of you who contributed to this by letting us know your questions and concerns about this topic. This episode, we're going to be sharing some of our high school experiences and the knowledge we've gained through them, so make sure not to miss it next Wednesday. Again, this is Michaela. And Serby. Signing off for now. Thanks for breakfasting with us today, and we can't wait to see you guys again. Mm -hmm.